Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome. As we continue on in this series we're doing called Being, and uh, this series is based on the Beatitudes. It's a sub-series uh, of our uh, mission, which is one more. That's what we do. One more lost child back to dead. We, we talked about that for some weeks, and now we're expanding on it through some sub-series about uh, what that looks like. So that's what we do is one more. That's our mission. How we do it, that's our method, and we're a force. And we, we've touched on it, and we'll get back to that whole concept too, but, but as a force, we're a, a frontline operation, reconciling, caring, and encouraging. And that, that consists of components of a, a radical message, which is the, how we reconcile, radical hospitality, which is how we care, and radical generosity, which is how we encourage the world around us. We did a, a, a radical generosity event yesterday out at the intersection. Um, we had a blast there, um, and we gave away free sodas. We gave free sodas and waters. We gave about 350 beverages away. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting because if you're part of the, the group, you have to stay on your toes because I'm surprised at how busy that little intersection on Big Pine is. You know what I mean? When I first moved here, 20, oh my gosh, 1979, that's a long time ago. How many every years that is? That's 30 plus, right? Wow. That intersection didn't have a light, and rarely, you could, you could in a lot of days in the summer, you could put a lawn chair out there and uh, <laughs> grab some sun and not have to worry about it. So things have changed. But traffic's whizzing by, and some of the braver souls are out in the middle of this thing, handing out sodas to people when they stop for the light. And, um, but we got to bless people, and it's, it's always interesting to me. They, we have signs up that say free, and we say, here's a free soda. And invariably, they say, how much? Because <laughs> it just doesn't register free. And we go, free. Donations? No. Free. Okay. Or they just tell you no. And... Uh, we're always amazed at that, too, how much... I'm wondering what... I, I'm, I'm going to keep trying things to find out what people won't say no to. Like, I have this idea that one of the things I want to do soon, when, when, we, when we put it all together, is I want to um, get, like, 200 $5 gas cards and go give them out, and, you know? And, and, uh, and I wonder how many people will say no. Because <laughs> there's got to be something they won't say no to. You know what I mean? So anyway, I'm always uh, thinking about that. Oh, and people have been asking me, the one more offering, you guys have been doing great, I appreciate it, we've, we've uh, been blessed with about $35,000, wonderful stuff guys, it'll go to good things, and uh, God bless everybody that's been involved, those of you that prayed, we're, we're excited about what's taking place with that, uh, and so that's, that's been mentioned, and okay, so this series now being is uh, our motivation, why we do it. We know what we do. We, we've talked about how we do it to some degree. Now our motivation. Why would we do these things? And our motivation is love. It's Christ's love that compels us. And that love is all about a love for God and a love for others. And that this has to be the, the foundational motivation for everything that we do. Or what we do will, will be perceived as being very cold or it won't really make any difference. And so when we stand out there and give people free sodas, it's because we love them. And, and our hope is that, that somewhere along the line, one more comes back to dad. Just one. And so off we go. And we love people. And we do that in response to the love that God has for us. And we love him. And he says, you know, these are the things that you should go out and do. And, and so this idea of being then is captured in the Beatitudes. Uh, because being is about right attitudes. 
Culturally, we've, we've uh, had some shifts where the culture thinks that life is found in having, and, and which is about right circumstances, but all of us know that right circumstances are fleeting. They just don't last very long, and you're, you're always pointing towards, you know, if, if I could just get my circumstances right, then life is going to work. And it's frustrating because it rarely ever works out that way. But when your life is found in being, see, that's about right attitudes. That's something that you have, uh, that's absolutely something that you have, you know, some, some things you can do for. Because you can practice right attitudes. You can get really good at them. And Jesus gives them to us in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 3 through 12, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm encouraging you to memorize them as you go. Matthew 5, 3 through 7 is what so far you should probably know. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Um, so, so keep kind of memorizing those. And we've talked about each one of those, or we're going to talk about the last one, but the first four of those in the last few weeks. Matthew 5.3, we called that the attitude of humility. Everything starts there. Uh, the, the, the following week, Matthew 5.4, we called that the attitude of reality. And then we talked about the attitude of gentleness in Matthew 5.5. 5. Matthew 5.6, we called the attitude of radical living, and we embrace the idea of, of living by trying to do the next right thing. But they, they tie together and they flow together very nicely because it's always about humility. Getting back to that point where you realize that um, you just can't do it in your own strength. It's not going to work. And you, you humble yourself and you, you realize that it's only with God that, that life makes any sense and works. And, and as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you enter into the kingdom of heaven. The reality of that whole process um, suddenly puts everything upside down because most people have spent their entire lives trying to make everything work in their own strength and now in humility realizing they can't all of a sudden the enormity of it all can be very disturbing uh, to say the least and yet uh, as we kind of embrace our brokenness and that we live in a broken and fallen world we, we open up for ourselves the avenues of mercy and grace that God gives us in our time of need. And from that, we, we can then quit being so sort of self-focused uh, all the time and, and sort of hard and critical and looking at everything about how it impacts us, and we can become gentle because we, we're starting to grasp the bigger picture and that it's all about Him. And that particularly in the way that we relate in the world, we just don't see people any, any longer as part of the machinery and scenery of our lives and, and get, you know, get upset with someone when our cheeseburger takes 30 seconds too long. We stop and we become a gentle person, uh, that our gentleness is evident to all. And the promise of that is that our inheritance is the earth. And, and we looked at that in, the, in, in depth in the Greek, and it means the, the inhabitants, that, that our inheritance, in fact, is one more, as we become a, a gentle people moving into this world. We talked about radical living, and, and I said that's living differently than the culture expects. That's where we use that term radical. And the idea is living by trying to do the next right thing, understanding forgiveness and, and how important it is on our lives so that we can extend it, but always trying to do the next right thing, blowing it, messing up, but running back to God and him sending us out again because he loves us. Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And, and we're going to talk about mercy today. And I want to call this one the attitude of radical Hospitality, term you've heard, but I think it applies very nicely to mercy and what mercy 
is all about. See, mercy is more than just feeling bad for someone or a situation. It's doing something about it. And, and I think you'll see the connection between mercy and hospitality in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 and following. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the uh, law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Understand this guy was all about how things looked on the outside, and he was very studied and learned, but he was trying to trap Jesus. He really wasn't trying to ask him a question to, that would be helpful to him. He was trying to look good in front of everybody. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, uh, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when, uh, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense, expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The one who stopped and cared for him, who, who bandaged his wounds with, with, with garments, who used his own oil and wine to uh, act as a, a, you know, a solve, to, uh, to put him on his donkey, to take him to an inn, to care for him there, to pay for it, to leave money for him to be cared for when he left. See, that is, is a demonstration of radical hospitality, of mercy, that does something that, that comforts people, that cares for people, that helps people. I remember the Sunday school teacher who asked the kids, uh, in particular this one little girl, and he, he, she said to her, hey, what would you do if you, if you had uh, walked by and you'd seen a man that had been stripped of his clothes, was badly bleeding, was lying there half dead, was bleeding everywhere, and the little girl said, I'd probably throw up. But that's really not, has nothing to do with the message. Um, <laughs> I probably would too. See, the, the, the picture was that the, the, the Jewish priest and the, and the Levite, who would have been considered to be the most religious people, um, saw this man in need and just walked by, did nothing. In fact, went out of their way to walk by, to move to the other side of the road. Samaritan, who would have been considered in this story um, an outcast, uh, basically because the, the Samaritans were kind of a, a mix uh, considered a mixed breed by the Jewish people, and so they wouldn't associate with them. In fact, would even go in Samaria at all. They would walk, walk around it until Jesus came who walked right through it. But, so so it's, it's kind of a, even a bigger slap in the face, this, this presentation of this story by Jesus. And, and he said, do, do you get it? What really matters is caring for people. What really matters is doing something about the mess that's all around us and being willing to do something. With that in mind, three quick points. 
first one. And if you've been coming, for all you've heard me say this, but I'm going to keep it in front of you because I think it's really important. We have to see the beauty of people's potential. This is how we have to relate to the world. We have to. We can't just label people and then not deal with them. Um, and, and there's, unfortunately, it's been part of the, it's kind of happened in, in a religious way that, that every sort of generation seems to pick a group of people that are the worst of the sinners and labels them that and then won't, won't relate to them and they, they can't then be related back into relationship with God because they're judged and criticized, it doesn't work. It was exactly what was happening when Jesus came. The established uh, religion had ostracized everyone to the point where no one could get to God. No one. And when Jesus came, he had to undo it all. And what did he do? He went and hung out with the very people that the religious community had said, we'll have nothing to do with. We don't want to deal with them. We don't want them in our churches. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to associate them. We're not going to have them in our homes. Nothing. So Jesus, what did he do? Started going to their homes and hanging out with them. He hung out with sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors at, the, at that time were the lowest group. That, that's, that was their label because they were considered traitors. They were, they were Jewish, but they worked for um, the Gentile oppressors and extracted money, oftentimes way more than they should have extracted so that they became wealthy. But we saw Jesus go and hang with these guys, and we know uh, accounts of at least two who are dramatically changed. One of them, Matthew, who wrote the first gospel, was a tax collector, and the other one was Zacchaeus, who we know from Sunday school story lore and songs. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Some of you know that. Little short guy in a tree, sycamore. I don't know. How do they know that? You know what I mean? Just worked in the song, I think. Anyway, nonetheless. Repents, changes, all good. Um, but it was because Jesus saw the beauty of their potential, and he just didn't label them as sinners that were to be pushed off. And we have to look at people that way. Jesus never condoned sin. See, I think when I say that, people go, what? Because there's, there's a standard. There's a, there, is a, there is a right and a wrong. We know that to be true. And yet, we've all messed up. We're all broken. We're all working on this stuff. We want to be careful that just because we're at some point uh, along that journey that we don't turn around and look at people that are further behind and act like they're, they're never going to get there. We have to see the beauty of their potential and always love them and always see what we can do when they're hurting and do it in a non-judgmental, non-critical way. Again, Jesus never said, hey, your sin is fine, ever. But he would love them, and in response to that love, these people would say, well, what do we need to do? And Jesus would say things like, go and sin no more. Oh. See, it was, that's how it's supposed to work. Loved in to relationship with God, and, and all of us know that that's what works. In your own life, the areas where you've started to overcome was always because you got loved into it. Because just trying to will yourself into it or be judged into it doesn't work. It doesn't last. It's not real. You might get some outward stuff changed, but not inward. Inward stuff is changed in response to the love of God. So we have to see the beauty of people's potential. 2 Corinthians 5.16, from, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. We can't see the way that we're sort of culturally set up to see, or oftentimes the way that we've been churchally set up to see. Got to see people in the beauty of their potential. And you love them there. And then you help the hurting. That's the second point. You help the hurting. Proverbs 3.27, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. So mercy has a practical aspect to it. It's something that you do. And there are people all around you who are hurting, and you need to be willing to open your eyes and see 
what that looks like. But oftentimes, we get that scenery, machinery look. We just can't be bothered, and we don't look. But beyond that, I, I have this thought. I think this is why a lot of people are very hesitant about um, helping in, in the ways that they should. Um, they somehow think that if they step into a situation that suddenly the entire problem is theirs to fix. And you need to know it's not. So I, I hear problems and situations all the time that are way too big for me to handle. I can't. I couldn't even get into it except that I know that it's, God's not putting it on me, the whole deal. It's on God. But he might give me a little something that I can do in this process. That's all. A little something. See, because sometimes, you know, you know, a little something is just opening my ears and being quiet and listening to someone. Sometimes it's an encouraging word. Sometimes it might be a little prayer. Sometimes it might be a Kleenex so they can just let it loose. Sometimes they might just need to vent about their frustrations and not be judged for it. See, sometimes it might be something that's a little something that I can do, you know, a little something I know how to do, whatever. See, but if I'm not willing to at least open myself up a little, I can't get involved. And so don't be, don't be so overwhelmed that you think that you can't, that you, know, there's just, that you don't move into it. You've got to take a look. Nothing says you've got to fix it all. A lot of times you just can't. You just can't. It's just not possible. It's like, wow. I hear stuff sometimes and I just go, wow. Seriously, it's like, but then you know what? God's fascinating. I watch God move into stuff. And so I've come to that place where I think, well, God, it's not too big for God. It's way too big for me, but that's not too big for God. And, and he can move into it, and he does. So I just listen for my part, and usually just a, just a part, just a piece. And that's what he wants from us, to be willing to extend that. John Wesley said this. I like this, one of my favorite quotes. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. Good advice. So um, let's try and remember that as we, as we go. Last point. Here's the cool thing about this. When you give mercy, you receive mercy. That's what Matthew 5, 7 says. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, here's one thing that I am very much aware of in my own life. I need a lot of mercy. I need lots and lots of and lots of mercy. I need new mercy every day. You know why? My messes are new every day. I can get myself in trouble in the first five minutes of a day. It fascinates me sometimes. I think, well, that's fascinating. I'm already a mess. I barely got up. <laughs> so, I get flow. If I need, and I know I need mercy, then what I need to be doing is extending it wherever I can. So I want to see the beauty of people's potential, and I want to be aware of what's going on so I can move into it. Can't fix it. I just can't. But I can do something. And I'm, I'm amazed at how many times it's just, well, let me pray for you. Let me just listen. I'll just tell me. Just tell me. Wow. But God's, God's going to do something. It's going to be just hang on. See, it's, it's, that's what that looks like. Psalm 136, 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His mercy endures forever. Let that mercy flow on you as you extend it to others and as we change the world together by doing the things we're called to do, being thankful for five things, encouraging two people so we can get one more lost child back to dad. Amen? Amen. All right, ministry team, you can head up if you would. They're coming up to pray for you. Um, with the video upstairs, please guys turn that off and